Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, you can now visit the Speaking of Travel travel website. It's full of great stories and podcasts and photos. Just visit speakingoftravel.net. And remember, you you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, you know, traveling lets you put aside your daily responsibilities and focus more on yourself for a moment. And my guest today understands whether it's caving in lava tubes or hiking the Inca Trail, taking a trip can be seriously rejuvenating, especially when you're exploring those less explored, exotic, physically challenging, and largely unknown places. My guest today is Dustin Barra. Dustin, welcome to the show. Hi, Marilyn. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Dustin and I go way back. <laughs> as far uh, back, yeah. Actually, Dustin goes back even beyond <laughs> this world. That's how long I've known you. Yep, my forever, that's for sure. That is absolutely yeah. right. So, Dustin, over the years, you know, I just have known you like as the kid, and then you grew up. <laughs> <laughs> Tends to happen. It does. Yep. And... I don't know. I can't remember, really. But when you guys, you and your sister were little, did your mom and dad take you traveling? Uh, domestically, we did some traveling, um, not internationally, um, but uh, California and Florida. And so growing up in D.C., we did go across the across the country a little bit, um, but no no big flights overseas. Right. Yeah. And then you went off and started a business, right? Yeah. Eventually, I spent about 10 years in corporate and realized that uh, two weeks of paid time off is not nearly enough to see what you want to see in this world. So I started my own business six years ago. Six years ago. Yeah. And tell us what happened seven years ago. Well, seven years ago, I went on my first international trip uh, for my 30th birthday was to Russia, of all places, St. Petersburg, uh, where a friend's mine, buddy of mine owns an only Irish bar in northern Russia. And uh, friends of mine there at the bar and with the Marinsky Ballet threw me a 30th birthday party. Wow. Yeah, I was sold. How about that, Randy? <laughs> Sounds like there, a plan. But yeah. I see you smiling over there like, ooh, Russia. <laughs> Vodka. You know, when I think of Russia, I always think of like, in fact, that your mom and dad had been to Russia, right? Yes. So yeah. Russia that, was kind of. That was the genesis of it. Yeah. yeah. I think I remember seeing a photo of them where they were in this bar and it was like ice, <laughs> like yes. an ice bar right. where they were drinking vodka like out of an ice cube. They'll figure out how to drink vodka about it out of anything in Russia. I oh think my God. that's for sure. So I do remember when you were taking that trip yeah. and it was like your first trip overseas and your yep. mom was calling me up and saying, yeah, Dustin's going to Russia. I'm <laughs> like, what? You know, I didn't feel comfortable when my daughter went to, you know, the beach. Yeah. And here you are going to Russia. Yeah, by myself. By yourself. Yeah. What were you thinking at that point? Pure excitement, I would say. And, uh... You know, not knowing what to expect was a feeling that I hadn't really experienced before from an international scene. And so it was um, 
just absolutely uh, in- mentally engaging the whole time because it was just looking everywhere and just not knowing what was going to be around any corner at any minute of any day. Wow. Um, the rush is a little bit, I love it. It's like a twilight zone though, of America, right? It's It sort of looks similar, but everything's just a little different. And you were, so this first trip you were in St. Petersburg? Yeah. And that's... Tell us a little about it. Most people don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know, Russia's in the news a lot. Russia <laughs> this, is. Russia yeah. that. There's always all this information coming out sure. about Russia. And, you know, and there was a Cold War and then there was a hot war. I mean, it's always yeah. been like we've been at war yeah. with these people. Right. So I know, I guess, because your parents had been there, you mm-hmm. knew that the people were nice and, sure. you know, you yeah. weren't. But what was it like for you being there in St. Petersburg mm-hmm. at that time, um, you, you know it's it's interesting. It's uh, St. Petersburg is the northernmost uh, uh, um, city in the world with a million plus residents, and it's called Venice of the North for the reason that the canals go up and down the streets, the Neva River flows throughout it, and it's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful city. It's very European in terms of architecture versus that idea you have of Russia, which is this cold. Uh, square buildings, and that's not what it looks like. It looks wow. more like a European city. Everyone's incredibly friendly. Um, of course, everyone's always friendly in a bar, I think, but uh, and that's where we spend most of the time. Right. But uh, it was it was amazing. But it it was uh, absolute culture shock. Now, did people speak English? No, I think probably only about ten fifteen percent was really speak English there. And, and how uh, was that for you? I mean, sure, at the bar, people, yeah. I bet, communicate in any land. It's <laughs> right. a universal yeah, yeah, yeah. language, right? Putting a you know glass to the mouth and yep. cheers. Sure. But then once you were outside of the bar, what was it like? Did you feel like you assimilated into that kind of culture? Um no, so I, I think that they, they they can smell an American. I have a loud, booming voice, and especially with a couple of vodkas in, and so uh, I, I stuck out a bit. Uh, there was I was the only American in a lot of places. Having local friends, whenever you have a local friend in an international city, you don't go the tourist route, and so I got brought into a lot of the you know speakeasy type Russian places and bars and and areas that most tourists would never see. And so, no, I stuck out like a sore thumb, which I enjoyed. I bet. And yeah. so what was the party like when they threw the party? <laughs> uh, no comment. I plead the fifth. Okay. No. <laughs> All right, Randy? He pleads uh, the fifth on yeah. that one. Uh, but no, a friend of mine had a boat, actually, on on the Neva River uh, called the Sun and Splendor. And, uh, and so we took that with some friends, and we went up and down from bar to bar along the canals like Venice, and went from bar to bar to bar for about... 36 hours straight. What? Yeah. Was it like a party barge? Yeah, sort of. Yep, exactly. Party barge. And we just kept going and people would get off and get on and, you know, more coffee, keep it going. You know, it's so interesting, though, when you talk about the, you know, there's been, there's so much propaganda. And and I think as children, as school children, we're kind of, you know, indoctrinated with this view Mm -hmm. of what Russia and Russians are like. Yep. I would never have thought there would be canals and rivers and sure. I mean I'm going to google all of this mm-hmm. now and yeah. just get a little more familiar with what's going on there yeah. because I did imagine it kind of like frozen. 
Yeah, <laughs> and Moscow is more like that. The the differences in architecture um, and just the the feel, the aura um, of Moscow. The Moscow feels like the Russia you imagine, but St. Petersburg, you know, Leningrad, um, it feels like a European city in terms of architecture, design. And how you get around the large squares, very community oriented, lots of circles and squares and parks where people out picnicking and, and shops and restaurants and uh, Nevsky Prospect, the main road there. You know, it's a main drag and lots of families and tourists. I mean, everything. It's a very welcoming city. Oh, that sounds yeah. lovely. Yeah. Well, th- I'm so glad that we're here talking mm-hmm. about this now because I think it will help hopefully dispel some yeah. of those myths sure. that we're kind of growing up with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, when we come back from the break, I want to find out more about, A, the party barge, <laughs> <laughs> and where you went off from there, because sure. that was just seven years ago, and you've certainly done quite a bit. Yeah, I've been back four times since. So You've been back four times since yeah. to Russia? Yes. Well, yeah. that is awesome. Well, when we come back, we'll talk more about that. Great. Thank you, Dustin, for coming mm-hmm. down to Asheville, North Carolina, from Washington, D.C. I love it here just as much. To be on the show, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel right here. We're talking to Dustin Bear right in the studio and happy that you're here today. Thanks Thank for you. Me. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, if you're looking at moving to Asheville, you need to go see my friends over at Appalachian Realty. They've been call- helping people call Asheville home since 1979. I mean, they know this town probably better than anybody. So if you're looking for a farm or an apartment or a condo or anything that's real estate related, Their office is right off of Charlotte Street, Appalachian Realty. And remember, visit the Speaking of Travel website. I've got photos and podcasts and blog stories. It's really a lot of fun. A lot of pictures, too. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. 
Well, we're having a blast here in the studio today with my guest, Dustin Barra. Now, Dustin, you're from D.C. Yep. You flew down for the weekend. Been hanging out in Nashville. Yeah. You've been having a good time, right? Oh, uh, having so good of a time, I might not even have a cocktail today. Oh, my gosh. I don't <laughs> believe that. But <laughs> speaking of cocktails, so you were just telling us about... Being on your first trip to Russia, Mm -hmm. you were turning 30 years old. What a way to have your 30th birthday party. First international trip, period. Wow. Got a passport at 29 for it. That is amazing. had to go to the Russian embassy to get an an invitation and a visa. They have a per-city visa ruling there. And so you have to go to the Russian embassy yourself. And uh, that was in in itself was an experience. Well, how did you describe what you were uh, going for? Uh, I lied. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, uh, I, so I having friends there, oh, having they, friends. they gave me a lot of guidance in terms of saying what I was going for, which was just tourism, you know, just mm-hmm. keep it simple. Right. And the old saying, keep it simple, stupid, right? K- yeah. Kiss. And so that's, <laughs> yeah, just going for tourism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fun. So you stayed there how long? I was uh, in St. Petersburg for a week. A week. Yeah. And then you flew back yep. home. Yep. And then what was going on through your mind about that time it changed my whole life actually um it's kind of uh you know b uh like you know bc and ad there's br and ar for me and it's uh i realized that there was a whole world out there culturals cultures that were totally different that i wanted to experience and that i needed to uh, adjust my life accordingly so that i could start traveling a lot more than 2 weeks a year well those are pretty lofty thoughts for <laughs> just turn 30 something sure. i mean you know most people turning 30 are like all right, I think I'll get married now and start a family or whatever. And here you are saying, I'm having this life-changing event mm. where I need to adjust my lifestyle moving forward to yes. accommodate this wonderlust that I realize I have now. Yep, absolutely. Wow. So what'd you do? Um, so then I started, well, actually within a year, I went back to Russia and brought a friend of mine. But I started then looking at other um exotic, for lack of a better word, locations. So I chartered a trip to Africa where uh, a couple friends and I uh, climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. We did the longest route, 50 miles, um, the Lomosho route, and then we did a week of camping with the Maasai tribe in the Serengeti. My goodness. So that was extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Never hiked a mountain before Kilimanjaro, and now I spend almost every other weekend in the mountains. Wow. Um, So So what did you just have this adrenaline kick in, and suddenly you're like mountain man? Well, I was a rugby player in college and afterwards, and that had ended um, a couple years out. You know, you get a lot of injuries, you get a little older, and I think I was probably needing something else to drive, and I found... The serenity in the mountains that I think y'all here in Asheville uh, so often have, but being a city, a city boy, we don't. And so it was a combination of that. Well, you know, it's one thing to take a hike up to Pisgah Falls or (laughs) one of the falls up here and hiking Kilimanjaro. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, Randy? I mean, (laughs) we've done some hiking up here and it's good. Mount Mitchell, you said you wanted to go hike Mount Mitchell, which you've probably hiked, right? It's beautiful. So, you know, here's us. Yeah, we can hike Mount Mitchell. I don't know that we could just go hike Kilimanjaro. You know (laughs) what I'm saying? Well, you know, it's interesting. I found, I think anybody can do anything if they put their mind to it. As cheesy as that is, um, my my friends were already planning the Kilimanjaro uh, thing, and I kind of hopped on. 
and challenged myself to do it, uh, having not done it before. And it pro- it proved to myself that you can literally do anything you want. And so that's how it happened. Well, was there an issue with the altitude? Like as you started getting higher and higher, surprisingly, no. Done that? Um, I, you know, that's a, a a biological thing that I think affects some people and doesn't affect others. And you have to use some altitude pills. Um, usually starting about ten thousand. I actually didn't clock in with those till about fourteen. Surprisingly, wow. And so I was pleasantly surprised with how my body reacted to to the effort. And then yeah. going and and being with the tribe, what was that like? Uh that was interesting because uh we kept getting in trouble for getting outside of our tents at night and uh you know they're walking around with the spears telling us to stay in and kind of hit the point home when they uh we took a flashlight outside of this tent in Serengeti showing it out into the out into the plains and probably saw about 100 eyes staring back at you. Wow. And then he goes, "See, this is why you need to get back in the F intent. Right. Like, oh, all right. <laughs> what were those eyes? I think mainly uh, gazelle and things yeah. like that. I, it wasn't lions, but I mean, you certainly heard them at night. You wow. know, the, the wow. moaning across the plains, but mm. it, it was amazing. Um, really interesting. So that obviously proved to you, like, <laughs> you know. I can do this. Yeah. I can get up there and and hike and walk yeah. and I can live with the tribe and I can be out in the middle yeah. of the nature and yeah. that feels good to me. Something outside of a bar. I spent a lot of time hanging out in restaurants and bars and I think I was needed something else in my life. And so I was trying some things way outside of my purview previously and Right. Happen, to happen to land right on the money. How about that? Yeah. You know, that's the thing. We talk about it a lot on this show is, you know, just stepping out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, most people step out like, mm, I think I'm going to visit the Grand Canyon, not go live with the tribe in the middle of the Serengeti, <laughs> yeah. you know. With, right. But so, all right, you did that. Now you're coming back and you're like, all right, now I've, you know, I've gone to Russia a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I've hiked up Kilimanjaro. I've lived with the tribe. I've been out in the plains of Africa. Mm-hmm. You know, how how did you start thinking about stretching this new lifestyle choice into yeah. kind of uh, your lifestyle? Well, at that point, it, it, was a, it was incredibly collaborative in that I had a group of friends who were into these types of, types of things as well. And so it just begins a process of discussing, you know, what are you – where are you interested in geographically? So that's kind of how it starts. It says, you know, pick a region and then what are the activities, you know, in the region you can do? And there's a wonderful thing called the internet, right? And you can type in a country and you can type in some keywords and you'll be amazed what you find. And that's how we ended up going – pivoting from Africa to South America, Wow. Yeah, and doing a lot in South South uh, America. South America. Yes. So, you know, let's just kind of – I'm always amazed that most adults, right? Randy, I think you can attest to this too. No geography within maybe four states of where they live and that's it. Like if you asked where's South America, they'd be like <laughs> – I don't know. You know, maybe yeah. south of New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, give us a little perspective before the break of sure. What? where is South America? What are we thinking of when you're talking like that? Um, so along the lines of, of exotic, you know, or more or less known places, it was uh, – saw a program on Yungas Road, Death Road in Bolivia. And so outside of La Paz, and it was one of those things where I think somebody saw a TV show about it. Started Googling it, and Bolivia is uh, um, south of Central America and uh, sort of Central South America, I would say. 
um, I think north of Peru. But my geography is not that great either, to be honest with you. But the point of this story yeah. is that you went to yeah, this death road <laughs> trip. <Yeah. laughs> what is that? <laughs> uh, Yungas Road, death road, is the is world's most dangerous road. And it's alongside of a, a mountain range outside of La Paz, Bolivia. Uh, it starts at 15,000 feet and goes down to 4,000 feet. And it's a road alongside a mountain. It's about 600 to 1,000 foot drops. And it's a thin road. It's a one-way street, um, one-way road, but you can mountain bike it downhill. I've seen pictures. Yeah. Wait, did it you looks, mountain bike it down? Yeah. Oh. Started at 15,000 and ended at 4,000. Yeah. Looks frightening. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I wrecked a bike and almost went over the side and well, then had to get another hey, bike. Hey, Marcy, if you're listening to this, this might be where you close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to give me another bike because I pulled a turn and went to go off the ledge and, and, and wrecked it on purpose, so I stayed on. And then I got up and said, give me another bike. Okay, wow. Well, my goodness. So <laughs> I think what, you know, here we are. We've gone now from, oh, never traveled abroad to traveling to Russia, going to Kilimanjaro, doing Africa. Yep. And now you're kind of stretching over even a, a little line in the sand because mm-hmm. now it's not just like I'm going to do – something really challenging you're taking it to almost extreme tourism yeah you know i mean uh, you know with with that you know it's a guided it's a guided group and you know you can certainly there's brakes on bikes so you can go at the pace you want um i took it a little too far but we had couples that were with us Aww. um my friend and some of their now wives and so it, but it was one of those things where you said you know pushing the line a line always changes Well, that's a good point. The line always changes. Well, when we come back from the break, let's cross over again. Yeah. That sounds great. great. Dustin, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, visit the Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. And you'll be able to link on to all the podcasts and read some really great stories, see some lovely pictures. And remember, you can listen anywhere in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. Well, we're here in the studio today with my guest, Dustin Bear. Dustin and I go way back since you were before born. Yep. My forever. I love that you said yeah. that. That was so sweet. All right. So before the break, Dustin, we were talking about um, that line yep. in the sand. It always changes, mm-hmm. right? So the line had changed yep. from I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. Yeah. I th- you know, I think at one point the line was traveling domestically. And then I went to Russia internationally for the first time. The line moved. And then Africa, the line moved. And then Bolivia and as a you know your desire your travel desires crystallize as you experience more and the only way to understand that is to continue to travel and push yourself a little bit I think that's very true and I hear that from a lot of people that you know it again it doesn't have to be stepping out and suddenly you know <laughs> climbing the yeah. tallest mountain or it's whatever it is for you it is right? whatever it is for yeah. you you know and i i like to reinforce that that it can be just going to the beach going right. to another state yeah. you know yeah but for you it's like going kind of big you want to you're doing some big stuff so mm-hmm. you did that you went and you rode the bike down death road yep. I mean, how do you keep topping that, Dustin? What what goes on in your head there? Yeah, that that was the first part of the trip that that did actually. So from there, we went um, into uh, Peru and did whitewater rafting, and then did the Inca Trail, um, which was enjoyable and beautiful, um, but it is very guided and very controlled, and so uh, enjoyed it, but didn't love it. Uh, but then after that, I went directly into the Amazon um, by myself with an Indian. Um, for five days and really off the grid. And that's really, I think, where it hit home with what I liked in terms of the travel and moving it forward. And that was really so when you're talking about really getting off the grid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, being in the Amazon must have been. And not a cruise. So I took a I took a little puddle hopper up into northern Peru uh, called Iquitos, um, which I'd learned about from some scientists that I'd done some work with, uh, who are epidemiologists with NIH. Um, they were doing studying vaccines there, viruses and vaccines. They told me about it. So I did there, hopped on a canoe with an Indian and went down river about four hours to a hut over the over the raging Amazon and stayed there for five days doing jungle treks um, and swimming, you know, Marine. It's so chain yeah. of era. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Minus, minus the political side. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there you found your your love. It's like I'm I'm loving this. Yeah. It was it was things that, are, you know, Inca Trail is something a lot of people do. Um, you know, Kilimanjaro, amazing, but a lot of people do it. Um, the Death Road, not a lot of people do. The Amazon, deep into the Amazon like that, not a lot of people do. And I found myself... Enjoying more the the less traveled road adventures. I think somebody actually wrote a poem about taking the road less traveled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. Well, yeah. Mo- Moby Dick. Uh, you know, uh, um, I have an everlasting itch for things remote. I love to sail forbidden seas and land on barbarous coasts. 
Well, there you go. So you've been doing that now for quite some time. I mean, over the last seven years, yep. you've really packed in a lot of agenda. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about, because um, you had talked earlier about your work. You know, you've mm-hmm. been in corporate for a long time. You knew mm-hmm. what that looked like, the, yeah. you know, suiting up and, sure. you know, playing to the man. <laughs> so tell us just a little bit about how you transitioned out of that mm-hmm. groove into a, a way that you could make your dreams come true. Sure. So um, I, I basically spun off a little business of doing the exact same thing that I've done for corporate is it's helping aerospace and defense companies win business with the government. And I just created my own LLC and broke off and, you know, it's been ups and downs and worked to get my own clients. So I do stuff working with the man, but it allows me to take vacation whenever I want. And so you move from that kind of corporate, here's how much vacation you get a year to now, or I try to have almost six to eight weeks, you know, six weeks a year overseas now, mm-hmm. if not eight. Yeah. Ideal. That so, sounds great. Yeah. So after you did the, you were in the Amazon, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure I would think that that was a big eye-opening experience mm. of uh, really getting deep into yourself. Yes. Yeah. Being, being isolated out. I mean, no running water, no electricity um, in the Amazon, anacondas and bugs and spiders. And literally a wild anaconda came up on us and kind of wrestled with it. And um, it was a friendly local one. But, you know, it was incredibly challenging mentally knowing that this time I was far away from help versus some of the other things where, you know, you can you know, you got somebody you can get to. And this was not. Did that frighten you enough to make you think yikes what am i doing here i'm not really harrison ford in raiders at the last <laughs> yeah Arc. you know um not really but there was one or two things that occurred that did but i would say it, it was exhilarating so when you came back after this you know mind-blowing mm-hmm. exhilarating wow i you know i really am getting to know myself mm-hmm. and this is what's going to be important for me as i move forward in my journey we're what was going on then? Um, to continue to challenge myself. And so having done a number of guided groups, even in the Amazon, there was I had an Indian guide with me. It was the next step, I think, was to, with some of my friends who I've done the other trips with, was to self-guide. So we self-guided through uh, in Patagonia, through Torres del Paine in Chile and Mount Fitzroy in Argentina. And so that was important to be able to do it all on your own. No guides, no nothing. Your pack, your food. Your knife, your fire, your tent. Wow. That is so rustic and real and authentic. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you feel that way when you're you're living it? Do you feel like, man, I am at the most authentic human being experience? Absolutely. And and it's and it's an empowering thing to know that you can do it on your own without the guides. You know, it's it's different than having that guided group that says, I'm going to make your food. I'm going to do all this versus that self-sustainment approach. And so that was an important uh, cusp to get over. And do you find that when you go to these locations, minus the guide, mm-hmm. um, that the people that you're meeting, the local people that obviously are going to be necessary to m- ensuring that your trip is going to, mm-hmm. you know, is going along, uh, these interactions that you have with the people on the ground, this people to people thing, what is that like? Do you feel a closeness there? Yeah, you know, one of the great things I think about travel is the exposure you get. I'm sure you've heard this on the show a number of times to other cultures, other people, and uh, other thought processes. Um, and uh, 
And it's incredibly important. I actually kind of jokingly can't stand when I'm somewhere and I just run into a bunch of Americans. I would say, I didn't come all the way here to hang out with some people from Oklahoma. Um, and so I want to meet the Bolivians, the, you know, Argentinians, Chileans, Russians, you know, Norwegians, whatever it is. And so it's important to to spend the time talking to those folks versus even if there's other travelers from the U.S. I try to not spend too much time with them just because I know I can get that back at home. So probably going on a princess cruise is not in your line of like, I'm going to do that. <laughs> if, I, if I ran up on a cruise, call 911, I've been kidnapped. Right. <laughs> Help, <laughs> SOS. Right, yeah. Right. Well, listen, Dustin, when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about um, this last trip that you went on because that was like ginormous. <laughs> is that a word? <laughs> yeah, it might be if, now. Yeah, and just how you have been able to um, take this synergy, mm-hmm. this inertia yeah. that you're getting trip after trip, journey after journey, expanding yourself more and more and more to, wow, this yeah. is what I want to do now. Yeah. And, and then you yeah. go out and do it. <laughs> yep. That's so yeah. awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We're having a good time. All that's missing is some of that vodka and an ice cube, right, Randy? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we could always use some of that right. anytime. All right. Well, we'll be back right after the break. This is Marilyn Ball, your host of Speaking of Travel. We're here in the studio today with Dustin Barra from Washington, D.C. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, Marilyn. All right. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been here in Asheville helping people find the home of their dreams. Look them up at AppalachianRealty.com. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. And you can visit the 
speaking of travel Facebook page, there you'll find links to all these podcasts and photos and travel tips. Just go to Facebook and plug in speaking of travel. Well, speaking of some big exotic travel, I'm here with Dustin Barrow. Dustin, it's so great having you in the studio. It's great. I know. Thanks so much for coming down and hanging out here. It feels good having you in town. Yeah. Yeah, I love it here. Yeah. So, all right. You've been doing this now for like seven years. Mm-hmm. You've been working, you know, making your work mm-hmm. happen so that you can kind of So support. I can travel, yeah. You're traveling. Yeah, it, it, it definitely changed from a uh, live to work to a work to live. Well, there you go. Approach. You know, that's a good approach for yeah. most people. Yeah. But it's not like you can just go over and do it mm-hmm. in one day. I mean, you, do, you spend a lot of time planning. Yeah, yeah. As the expeditions have grown, grown more complex, and some of the locations have gone farther out away from the things a man, the planning that's required is, is certainly a lot more, and it's it's fun to do that. Um, but the more planning, the less risk, and so I think it's important to do that. And I think that's true in anything that mm-hmm. you do in life. Yes. The more yep. planning, the less risk. Right. I mean, you know, you can apply that to virtually anything. Yep. We could needlepoint it and put it over the <laughs> fireplace, right, Randy? Yeah. We should do that. Right. I know. The old cliche, you know, when uh, preparation – what is the definition of success when preparation meets opportunity? Yep. Oh, well, that mm. would be success. perfect for Dustin because yeah. yeah. you are so successful at what you're doing. <laughs> so tell us about this. Okay, so you've gone out and you're getting further and further from mm-hmm. the things of man and you're, you know, finding this inner oh, <laughs> Tarzan in you. Tell us about this last big trip because that was just, I mean, that was what kind of yeah. like blew my mind. So I'd been reading a book on Teddy Roosevelt, um, favorite president, uh, founded the National Park Service, and just hey, who's an explorer. He found um, the book was called The uh, River of Doubt. He actually discovered a river in the Amazon, and um, and he w- the age of exploration may have ended, but I wanted to get away from truly away from things of man, and I realized I hadn't challenged myself in a cold weather climate. Um, so I started re- researching the Arctic. Um, I was doing some work with some NOAA scientists, and there is a ground station that takes in data from polar satellites up at a Norwegian islands called Svalbard, 800 miles from the North Pole. As soon as they mentioned it to me, I knew it had to be. So you did it. So I did it. So how did you start researching <laughs> that one? Uh, the Google machine. The uh, Google. I sat around yeah. your parents table talking about the google <laughs> yeah um and so yeah what it was it's um like i said it's a norwegian set of islands uh cl- nor- northernmost airport in the world um northernmost city town in the world two thousand people year-round it is truly the edge of man civilization it's a one street kind of town called Longyearbyen, and just started googling different activities and so i charted um uh, ice climbing, I climbed a glacier, rappelled in, slept in the ice cave, and then ice climbed back out and did dog sledding, self-guided. Uh, I did my own dog te- sled team, snowmobiled across the island on an expedition, um, mountain glacier hikes, and um, and I think that's about it. But that yeah, was about 10 days of that. It was about negative 20, you know, oh zero to negative 20 most so days. So here you are, you're thinking, hmm. I really haven't challenged myself in cold weather, so I think I'll go to 
Oh, how about the Arctic? In the middle of winter. So it's actually the polar night. Dustin, what is so, up yeah. with that? So it was, it was interesting, too, is that I didn't see the sun for about two weeks. Oh, and did so, you get that dark syndrome thing going? Um, I, I didn't. I kind of enjoyed it, so I don't know what that says about me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, whenever it's dark, it's a good time to go to a bar. But um, at the end of one, but uh, it would be a long day. But I, people do there. They have vitamin D deficiencies and things. So I did have to take vitamin D pills when I, I was see. there. So what kind of bars do they have? Uh, two. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but it was very Wild West where you have to have a gun because of the 3,500 polar bears on the island, 2,000 people. So if you're outside of town, you're at risk of polar bear attacks. And I was obviously outside of town every day. Slept outside of town. Right up on the glacier, which polar bears don't hunt on glaciers due to lack of food. But so you go to the bar and there's a gun rack for, you know, as you're walking in. So you think of like Deadwood, you know, something like that. And you put your gun up and I just kind of have like a machete on my side. And you walk in, you ask for a shot of whiskey. And it's a cool feeling. I bet. Cool yeah. being the operative word there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, so Dustin, when you went out on the dog sled, I mean, what'd you did? Did you? Is it like rent a dog sled? Yeah, essentially. I went with a guide, but I I um, fixed it so I could do my own team, so I didn't have anyone else on the sled. And so I went and spent half a day with the dogs, learned, met the dogs, learned how to harness them, set them up with the dog sled, and then got taught how to dog sled, how to control them, how to steer them. And so then spent the day dog sledding through you know polar bear and reindeer territory. Wow! In the in the night, and so you're kind of your head's on a swivel because you know that's a lot of meat for polar bears. The dogs and you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So what did that feel like? I mean, just what did that feel like in your body as you're going? That's a dream come true. Uh, yeah. Dog sledding is a thing you saw as a kid on a Disney show, right, or, you know, a movie. And it was a dream come true to drive my own team. And it was hard to shoot video because it's it's pitch black out. Um, and you're worrying about, you know, falling into a crevasse or something. Um, but uh, I did shoot one iPhone video only. I couldn't get the GoPro going. But it was amazing. That's amazing. So yeah. did you get to know the dogs and everything? Like yeah. you knew their yeah. names? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. And so it wow. was great. Well, that must have been so exhilarating. It, it was. Feeling the, you know, all the elements of yeah. nature. But I right think there. the uh, snowmobiling was the best. Um, snowmobiling in the Arctic is unlike mountain. You're not on mountains here. You're on these large plains and fjords. And, and uh, you're literally balling out at 50, 60 miles an hour. And just the night, and you see these these shadow mountains. It was under a full moon also. And so I went all the way across the island to a Russian mining colony. And I uh, was the only first team to make it that year. Wow. And so that's negative 20, 60 miles an hour. And it was about a 12-hour snowmobile trip. And so that, I think, was the coolest because you literally feel like you're on another planet on the moon because a snowmobile, you can get farther out. Ah. You know, dog sleds can, dogs can only run so fast. A snowmobile can go 60, 70 miles an hour. Wow. And so then you went over to the Russian camp? Yep. And were you like, hi, hey, yeah, yeah, got yeah. any vodka? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you blew uh, Rosia vodka. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> uh, they, our, our lead guide didn't want us drinking. Um, right, but, but uh, good I, point. I snuck one, anyways. Oh, you silly boy! <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Yeah, gonna get a DUI in the Arctic. Oh my know. God, that's right. <laughs> Stay in your lanes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Dustin, what? Okay, so that to me, you know, you're on top of the world. Mm -hmm. You've done the. I mean that. Where do you go from there? I mean, are you gonna take a rocket ship and go to Mars? <laughs> if only I had the money. 
Um, yeah, so I've got a few things. I've done some diving in Iceland, which I enjoyed, and so I dive also. And so Greenland ice sheets are of interest to me. There's some unexplored regions there. There's some diving out in the Pacific called Socorro Island. It's uh, north of the Galapagos, where it's a mating location for sharks that I want to do. Um, there's some large, largest cave system in the world discovered in Vietnam, Sundong, that you can rappel into. And uh, so I'd like to go hike through there in Vietnam and then maybe Borneo. Those are all, all on the list. Wow, that is quite a bucket list. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, the that's next three, three years, 36 wow. to 48 month list, I, I'd say. Well, Dustin, I'll tell you what, you know, just to sum up, like let's say there's a listener right now and the person's like, wow, I want to do something like that. What what would you recommend to somebody who's thinking, you know, it's time for me to step out. I want mm-hmm. to try something new to that somebody could put their head around. I think the key is to identify a region that you want to that you want to work with and know that there are guided approaches and I'm trying to do unguided now, but there are guided approaches to kind of baby step you up there. I started with the guided as well only 7 years ago and now I'm doing this. So just identify a region, start googling and and challenge yourself. There you go. Go to the Google, friends. You can find it all there. But good advice, Dustin. I think being able to to say start out slow. Yeah. Take take a guided tour. Yep. Get a feel for what that feels like. Uh, you know, hearing you say the moment hit you, you mm-hmm. knew. But yeah. you had to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. What a blast. This has been really fun. It's another adventure for me, that's for sure. I know. You were talking about that, that, you know, oh, I've never done radio. I'm a little nervous. It, you know, somebody who is dog sledded and snowmobiled up in the Arctic. Right, Randy? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll spend my, high, my time behind the microphone here. That's so, right. Yeah, we'll live yeah. vicariously through yeah, you, Dustin. You well, thank you so Good much. Have, have a safe yeah. trip back up to D.C. And, of course, we'll keep in touch because I'll get to... Yeah. Hear every detail about your life from your mom. Yeah, uh, and and me directly, that's for sure. So I'm going to continue doing it. And well, when you decide to do the show naked and afraid, let us know. <laughs> yeah, I need to hit the gym a little more. Uh, <laughs> and he needs to bring the vodka. Yeah. Right. All right, Dustin, thank you so much. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel. Go out and have an adventurous week. And remember, don't postpone joy.